And I said this morning, it's important that you read the Bible and you, you get into God's word early in the morning. Now, it's not one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt read the Bible first thing when you hop out of bed. But I am going to re recommend um, if if we were had to go into the office with a spiritual physician and the doctor tells you, you know, you know there's some things that, that you should do and there's some things you shouldn't do. One of them, if, if I were to be a spiritual physician, I'd say the first, one of the first things you should do in the morning is read the word of God. That should be one of your first priorities when you wake up in the morning. And that way you can think about the verse throughout the day. And I know this is a verse we had in Sunday school, but it's been the one that I've thought about all today, ever since my Sunday school class. And I think it just kind of sets up what we'd like to talk about. It says in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I, I just I read those verses and I've been thinking about them all day. Not by our righteousness, but according to his mercy. I love that word mercy. Through the washing of regeneration. I, am, I have been kind of thinking and just pondering what Christ did when he took us, when we were spiritually dead and made us alive. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing truth that we live with. And the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Who he poured on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified, put to a right place in our relationship with God, by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. If you wanted to, if you wanted to memorize a passage, that would be a wonderful passage to memorize and so during dark, dark times of life you have that to fall back on I just we need to be memorizing we, we as Christians need to be memorizing the word of God I, I, I have been overwhelmed by, by my church family with people coming and saying Pastor Scott, I'm reading through the Bible. People, people that I didn't expect to, to come and say that to me are saying that to me. And some people saying, I, I just, one, one lady said, I've never written, read through the Bible before. And I'm doing it. And I'm loving it. And, and I'm going faster than the little plan you gave us. And I plan on doing it twice this year. I said, praise the Lord. You see how amazing reading through the Bible is. And, and some people are saying, you know, I haven't done this in a few years and I'm doing it. And, and, and it's wonderful. 
And I also think we ought to be memorizing the word of God because tough times are going to come in your life. I'm, I'm sorry, but they are. And when they do, you need some spiritual strength. And where that spiritual strength comes from is the Holy Spirit taking verses that you have learned and saying, hey, remember my words. What would happen if if the, the journey that God had you go on, the trials, was a lonely one? And you had no one, no other person to talk to. Don't let God be a stranger. Don't let his word be a stranger. Let him be your best, your best friend. Somebody you talk to today, right? It's very, very, very important. So we got to last week, we I said the closer you get to the cross, the more this word hope begins to open up. And some of the the latter prophets in the Old Testament talked a little bit more about hope and it being an eternal hope. But as you open the, the pages of the New Testament and we see Jesus Christ dying on the cross, hope becomes something that, that just explodes. And our attention turns from, from God gives us hope over our enemies or God gives us hope over the cares of this world, to our hope begins to look up. Because we have that Jesus Christ who rose from the grave, and he he went up into heaven, and just picture those disciples standing there, and the angel has to come and pick their... I I said the other day, I said they probably had to come pick their job off the ground. And some kid looks at me, he goes... Why'd they have to pick his job off the ground? It's like it's an expression. It's like when you and I had explained it to him. It's like when you do this, <laughs> and he didn't. He still just didn't get it. You know, you ever met that kid? You, you know the kid that I'm talking about that you can say something like that and it doesn't click. But ever since that same Jesus who you saw ascend into heaven will come again in like manner, change his hope. Because we today, you know, at the end of church, I, I was I was excited. I got to uh, talk to Marcel right down here and tell him what it means that we say Maranatha and talk to him a little bit about that. And well, I think we must have the the biggest concentration of Marcels in a church. We've got three Marcels and. Our church, and I, I don't think in the church this size, there's probably another one with three Marcells that are coming on Sunday mornings. But it's just awesome that, that we, as a church, we have hope. And we talk about it all the time. And so as we get into the New Testament, oh, is that way back at the beginning? There we go. Yeah. Excuse me, let me click for two minutes. As we get to the New Testament, Things change. And it goes from an earthly look at hope to an eternal look at hope. I'll get there. 
I should have just had whoop, 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 whoop. Yep. And the word in the New Testament that, that gives us is for hope is the pleasant expectation that is concrete and confident. So when we have when we have hope in Jesus Christ, it's not something that's built flimsy. It's not something that is going to fall apart when difficult days come. Our hope built on the cross, guaranteed by the resurrection, that will be made sight when we get to heaven, is concrete. You can you can count on it. When you get your financials, I don't know if any of you guys have investment. I'm sure you do, but you get your investment statement every month, or or maybe you pay a little bit of attention to your investments that you have made. When you open that up, you feel hope. You feel a little confident that the money you have invested is in a good place, but you always wonder. You know, did the stock market crash and your investment, that that could happen. Not so with your eternal investment. When you invest in things for all of eternity, you know that it's worth it. And you know that it will pay dividends that will last forever. And the source of our New Testament hope, our eternal hope, is Jesus Christ. He is your eternal hope. I mean... Let me tell you something. Let me tell you the truth. If your hope is in money, that's a terrible place to put your hope. If your hope is in a job, the job could be gone. If your hope is in a, is in a friend, friends will disappoint. Don't let your hope be in a family, in a home. In, in your church or in your pastor. All of those things, Jesus Christ is to be the center of your hope. And when you have that relationship right, when that relationship is right, and that is at the center of it all, then those other relationships begin to work properly. If you want your relationship with your spouse to be headed in the right direction, let your hope be in Jesus Christ. And you say, but, but, but pastor, you don't understand. My spouse doesn't believe in Christ. I get that. And that can be tough. But let Christ be at the center of, of that place and begin to pray. Begin to love like Christ would want you to. And pray and pray and pray. And pray for their eternity. And keep on praying. And keep on praying. We heard this story. The, the, I shared this story the morning of the story of Lee Strobel. And how the, his wife became a Christian. He thought, oh no. But then God got a hold of his heart. And we know stories and we've read stories about a spouse who prayed for, for their spouse and prayed for their spouse and prayed for their spouse and prayed for their spouse. 
And it wasn't until after that, that faithful wife praying for her husband had passed away and that husband began to contemplate his wife's life and opened up what she had written and that changed her heart. Let Christ be the hope, the hope that you have. Let's look at some verses where Jesus Christ is our eternal hope. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, For this, for to this, and we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially for those who believe. I, I, I have in my Bible, underneath this verse, I have a little boat. And under that boat, I have a little anchor. And on, on the bottom of that little anchor, I have my hope is in the living God, the Savior of all men, especially to those who believe. And I put in there, because my anchor is in Jesus Christ, this is why I labor this is why I row. And you say, but, but Pastor Scott, I thought we were talking about the word hope. Well, in that verse where it says, because we trust in the living God, that word trust, probably the better word there would be hope. Because that, that, that word that I've got there, the Greek word, elpizo, that's the same word, that is translated trust in this verse here. And so when you, you could reread that as for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we hope in the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Our, we need to have hope in God. We need to have hope in Christ. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 12, it says these words, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Let's also look in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1 it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. When we sing songs like, our, my hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, we know that our hope is ultimately in Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, and verse 5, we read, 
we read also that we have a hope of our righteousness. Let's open our Bibles to that verse. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 5. In Galatians 5, let's actually start in verse 4. It says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. If, if we look at that verse, if we tried to make ourselves right, in line with the law, when I, when I think about the word justification and justified, I immediately think of my, my typing class in high school where you learned to justify the paper and to make everything line up right and correctly. And if we try to justify our lives by ourselves, if we have sin in our heart and you think, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do right and I'm going to live righteously and and I've just I've decided I'm going to do right. You might try and it might work for a little while. But if God's not behind it, you're going to have a hard time doing what's right. That's why you need to pray to God. To have him involved in the sanctification process. He is your, your hope of righteousness. When we stand before God, we need to have Christ on our side. So that when God looks at us and sees if we are righteous. According to that verse we read in Titus, it's not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved us. I want God, when he looks at me, I don't. I don't want him, when he says, why should I let you into my heaven? I don't want him to look at my life as the measure by which I should be measured to going into heaven. I want him to look at me and I want him to see the righteousness of Christ. And the reason that we are justified and we are declared righteous before him, the reason we have hope is because he fulfilled the law. He measured up. And it's because of what he did that we can enter heaven. We have hope that we, oh, I say this, I say this so often. It's hope that one day we'll be free from the very presence of sin. Have you ever, I am, I am so happy that there are some people out there that can, feel as if they can have complete control in every situation in their life. I, I haven't met too many of them. But just go ahead and try. Say to yourself, okay, you know what, self? I think I'm going to, for the next year, I am not going to touch a piece of chocolate cake. for How long does that last? But if you could, if you could. 
I believe it would be easier to do that than to, to have yourself in your own power do what's right all the time and live free from sin. You got to say to yourself, and you got to say to yourself, and you got to say to yourself, and you got to say to yourself, by the grace of God and his finished work on the cross, I am free from the penalty of sin. Today, I am being saved, and you guys know what it is. I am being saved from the power of sin. By the grace of God. Not in your own power. But God working in you. By the power of his Holy Spirit. And one day. You're going to be saved from the very. Presence. Of sin. Well, is it, is, That's hope. Hope for righteousness. You know that in heaven. You're never going to hear. You won't believe what so and so said. And if you do hear that, it's going to be a good thing, right? It will always be a positive thing. You won't hear in heaven. You will not believe what he did. And your heart won't break. As you hear about someone that you've loved, and you've tried to point in the right direction, doing the wrong thing. <coughs> In heaven, here's the best part of it, you won't be the guilty party. You'll be free from the presence of sin. It'll be gone. That new life, that new body, well, because of what Christ did on the cross, and because of it's going to be pure and clean and good. <sighs> do, do you feel the relief? Like, like That should take you as a Christian, that should just take, Take all the weight that sin puts on us and, and it should just give you some relief. The day is coming very soon when we're just going to, it'll be gone and we're leaving it at the door. <sighs> Can't wait. We have that hope of righteousness. John chapter 5 and verse 24. We read it this morning. We'll go there again. I don't I don't plan to use the same verse in the morning as I do in the nighttime. I prepared these two totally different weeks. But in John chapter 5 and verse 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Jesus is making a change. We are not under the law. We don't have to we don't have to worry about judgment day because we have hope, the grace of God. Another one that we can look at today is, is this is a verse that is often associated with our church and for good reason. Um, Pastor Baker Love this verse, and it may during his time and his ministry, this is something that he would pour into this church, and it had its effect on me as it had on many of you. 
And it has kind of become a verse that that really expresses the thoughts of our church and something that we we long for and that we hang on to. And that's found in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. We are today looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. I put up on my notes, I put, I put, I'd like you to think and consider the lie of the amillennialist. And there are a bunch of songs in this hymnal that were, were written and, and sometimes we sing them and, and that's, there's no problem with it in singing the song, just as long as you kind of have, you have a little bit of understanding of the background. But there are some of the songs in this hymnal that are amillennialist songs. And as I just like you to think about, and we have to understand the truth. Someone who is an amillennialist thinks either one of two things. The Bible doesn't cheat, teach, and, and there is no such thing as a literal millennial kingdom. It's just figurative. Or there are some people that believe that that the seven-year tribulation already happened, and, and we today are living in the millennial age. And it's not a literal thousand years. We believe, and we teach at this church, that there is coming a day where Jesus Christ is going to call His church home, literally. Not figuratively, but he is. there's going to be a rapture in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And God is going to call the church home. And then for seven years, this world is going to suffer. One of those reasons is because the church, that who God has said, is a big, is the way He is reaching the world today. The Holy Spirit who dwells in you, if you know Jesus Christ, restrains the evil one. And when He's been removed... Things are going to be totally different on this world for seven literal years. And at the seven, end of those seven literal years, God is going to come back and set up his literal kingdom on this earth. The, the, the amillennialists would say the hope is found that the church is going to overwhelm the world and it's going to just start the kingdom of God here on this world. Well, the, the church is changing lives. And people are being saved by the millions. And God is working in a great and mighty way. But if you're a part of the church, you're going to be persecuted. And you are going to be different than the world. You can affect the world, and the church is an agent of good in this world. But this world 
is going to be changed and, and how Christ is going to rule is when he literally steps back on this planet and sets up his kingdom from his throne. And he is going to rule personally over it. That's what the Bible teaches. If you read it carefully. I actually, I'm going to take, if you read it. And our hope is in Christ. I love being part of the church. But the best thing that I love being a part of the church is for is that our focus is on Christ. It's a place where you can come and you can learn about what it means to be the bride of Christ. And to, to adore that, that blessed hope and the coming of Jesus Christ. So church, our hope for the world today, it's not in the White House. It's not in the Capitol building. It's not in military might or some foreign government leader. But it's in our Savior, Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> it's in Jesus Christ. And it's an eternal hope. And we need to remember that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you that we can celebrate hope. We can celebrate what you did on the cross. And we look forward to and we rejoice in that blessed hope of your glorious appearing. Lord, for so long we have waited, we have lived, and Lord, we love the idea of your soon return. Lord God, I pray that you might help us to daily live for you, keeping our focus upward while we live the gospel and we share the gospel and we be an agent of change and ambassador for your kingdom in the, our lateral relationships with those around us. Lord, I pray this week, we've, we've talked about it many times today, that you would turn our hearts towards heaven. That you would incline our lives to you. Lord, put us on that conveyor belt of sanctification we talked about this morning. Keep our mind on our hope, our eternal hope. I thank you for the words of the apostles, the words of Paul. And we have hope in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that four-letter word that you changed on the cross. In Jesus' name. Amen.